0: Hey guys, Happy New Year. Man, what a ride the first year was for the podcast. One year ago, I didn't know a fucking thing about how any of this works. I still don't know much, but it's come a long way. We got a lot of cool stuff going on in this episode. It's actually being recorded in the Sean Newman podcast studio. I'm in the Batcave, folks. I'm working out of town, realized I forgot my gun case full of audio equipment, and he was kind enough to offer his space up for this episode. So if you're wondering why the audio quality is so much better than usual, this is probably why. So thanks, Sean. And if anyone out there isn't already listening to his podcast, check it out. He's also got a ton of cool stuff to say on Twitter, so follow him there. And on top of that, I've got a new segment I'm hoping you'll like, and it's even sponsored. And right now, you're probably wondering what company would ever be stupid enough to advertise on a show like this. Well, I guess you're just going to have to stick around and find out. And now, your number one source for what's happening in Canada today. From the mind that brought you 222 minutes, this is my 222 cents. Three, two, one. So the Ghislaine Maxwell trial wrapped up over Christmas. This whole thing is a little bit fucky, so buckle the fuck up. First... Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself in his room while under 24-hour surveillance by people who were sleeping when it happened, which was also coincidentally when the cameras went out. We're all familiar with this. As far as cover-ups go, it stinks more than the shoe polish smell of Trudeau's blackface. So Ghislaine Maxwell goes on trial, and this is in and of itself, is kind of a big shock. I'm sure every single person on the motherfucking planet was expecting her to kill herself in her cell under the direct supervision of a guard named Schmillery Splinton, but for some reason, she survived and went all the way to trial. Then, the judge assigned to the case determined that it needed to be a closed trial because the greater public, in the words of the great Tom Cruise, can't handle the truth. Oh, that was Jack Nicholson. Whatever. So she gets convicted in what seems like a very fucking short trial. I mean, do you people even remember how fucking long the OJ trial went on for? It was the only thing CNN played between the hours of 1973 and 1997. And this fucking thing gets decided over American Thanksgiving and Christmas break? Are you fucking kidding me? So anyways, she gets convicted of sex trafficking minors. And like any transaction there is a seller and a buyer. So assuming that there was enough evidence to convict her of this shit, you'd have to say who or whom these minors were trafficked to, right? Make sense? You people with me so far? So here's where the shit wheels fall off the shit wagon. Her defense attorney struck a deal with the prosecution that she could have a reduced sentence for not naming names. Now, for anyone who's never watched a bullshit crime procedural, There's this thing called making a deal. If you're some small-time bullshit fucking perp, you agree to name names in exchange for a lighter sentence. In what crazy fucking bizarro world does anyone get a reduced sentence for not indicting other people in the crime? Am I taking fucking crazy pills here? They had to establish a chain of events to convict her. You can't convict someone of trafficking minors if there's no evidence of them being trafficked to anyone. At that point, you're just a shitty salesman, and if that's illegal, there's a lot of used car parking lots where you can bag perps at your fucking whim. And yeah, it's a shame that this happened to Jeffrey and Ghislaine, because they always looked so happy together. But at what point do we say that the justice system needs a bit of motherfucking justice in the fucking system? Oh, and do you want to know what the icing on the cake is? The guards who fell asleep while giving Epstein 24-hour surveillance had their charges dropped the day after the Maxwell trial wrapped. How fucking splendid. This whole fucking situation has more red flags than my ex-wife and you people seem to be willing to ignore them like the younger and stupider version of me that I used to be. Well, you know what it takes to untangle yourself from a situation like that? You get the Klaus Schwab. You'll own nothing, but you'll be happy. Trudeau and the idiot liberals have been saying in social media a lot lately that they have our back. And yeah, the obvious joke here is that it's so they can stick a knife in it, but let's dig a bit deeper. Emperor Blackface himself, Justin Trudeau, tweets a lot about this. If you do a search, it gets mixed in a lot with the whole build back better thing. You'll own nothing and you'll be happy. Klaus Schwab with a world economic forum. It's a little bit weird because that dude seems to have his hand in more pies than Harvey Weinstein. I mean, you're on the record as having endorsed his new world order, Justin. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm just saying it's a bit fucked up as far as worldviews go, and you're publicly plugging it. And so, mixed in with the Build Back Better bullshit, you can find these gems. September 20th. We've got your back, and we always will. October 8th and December 17th. We said we'd have your back and we meant it. October 21st. We said we'd finish the fight against COVID-19 and that we'd have your back. September 30th. We'll continue to have Alberta's back. October 22nd. Saskatchewanians, we've got your back. November 16th. British Columbia, we've got your back. November 24th, 25th, 26th, and December 14th. We've got your back. December 3rd and 6th. We'll continue to have your back. December 31st. Happy New Year, Canada. Clinking glasses from Rebecca, Molly, Jack, Wexford, and me. Here's wishing you all the best in 2022. Canada's conservatives will continue to be your voice in the new year and fight for the future of every Canadian. We will always have your back. Oh, wait. That last one was Aaron O'Toole. I just get so confused sometimes. They're kind of hard to tell apart. I mean, the Liberals keep doing all this weird, crazy shit, and no one seems to be speaking out against them. Nobody, for lack of a better word, opposes them. Nobody in Ottawa finds themselves in opposition to what he's doing. Liberals' employment minister, Carla Qualtroff, who looks like she should change her name to Karen McCarran face, said that unvaccinated workers who were let go from their jobs are ineligible for employment insurance. That's kind of a big fucking deal. People who have worked hard and been forced to pay into the wealth disbursement shit show that is our mandatory government-run unemployment insurance for years have the potential to be refused coverage despite it not being part of the deal when they paid into it. This is literally some Darth Vader shit. I have altered the deal. Pray I do not alter it any further. Well, you know what, Trough? You've spent too much time at the government trough. Let's get rid of you and do away with any kind of paltry safety net. This is bullshit. You can't retroactively alter contracts. This is the same stupid Bush League antics that caused the Northern Gateway pipeline to be canceled. It's why foreign and domestic investment is leaving our private sector faster than a liberal leaving a town hall in Saskatchewan. It's bad faith. If you ever wanted evidence that people in our government aren't people you can take on their word in a handshake, look no further than this exact fucking travesty. And if you're ever stupid enough to make a deal on a handshake with Trudeau anyway, make sure he didn't steal your fucking watch. And furthermore, why in the inscrutable fuck would you ever vote for somebody to represent you after they've proven so untrustworthy? I mean, Imagine hating your fellow Canadians so much that you vote liberal. Defense Minister Anita Anand said that there was no insider deal when her husband's company got $188 million worth of contracts while she served in cabinet. Is that a red flag? That kind of sounds like a red flag but there won't be an investigation into it because who decides if it should be investigated? The party whose flag is literally a red flag. We'll investigate nothing and we'll be happy. We've got a new segment here at My 222 Cents, but before we get to it, a word from its sponsor. Hi folks, Two's here. I love podcasting, but when I'm not podcasting, I have one other passion. Getting vaccinated. I do it every chance I get. And when I'm getting vaccinated, there's only one brand I trust Pfizer. It's proudly made, right here in beautiful China, by some of the best shoemakers in the world. It's even made in the same laboratory where we made the virus, so you know it's high quality. In fact, Pfizer's vaccine has an almost 1% lower chance of creating blood clots than Moderna and AstraZeneca. And now for a limited time, you can get vaccinated too. The next time you're going in for the latest round of shots, use promo code 222 to get all 222 rounds of injections at the same time. Think of the savings. No racking up miles going back to the pharmacy every time your vaccine papers expire. No looking for parking, no more being turned away at restaurants, museums, and strip clubs. Remember folks, Pfizer's clinical trials showed a 100% effectiveness rate, so you know you can trust them. That's promo code 222, all the shots, all at once. Don't just flatten the curve, get ahead of it. Ask your politician if Pfizer is right for you. Pfizer, a Microsoft company. The My 222 Cents Jackass of the Week, brought to you by Pfizer. This week's Jackass of the Week is Justin Trudeau. This fucking clown is raising CPP and EI premiums as of January 1st, which is pretty fucking rich, considering the fact that EI is now about as effective at protecting Canadians as the fucking vaccine is. You ever notice how when you put small children in charge of their own decisions, they go absolutely nuts? They'll eat candy for supper, stay up all night, do no chores, and generally act in an irresponsible manner catering only to their personal short-term needs? They're a lot like our duly elected members of Parliament. And this, by the way, folks, is not a new thing. The Canadian pleb population being represented by a bunch of self-serving assholes is a tradition almost as old as the nation itself. Canada first became a country in 1867. By 1873, members of parliament had already started to take summers off. Do you know how they decided this? They voted for it. Yeah, I'm sure there was some naysaying fuddy-duddy in the back who suggested that perhaps acting in the best interests of the people they were paid to represent ought to be a full-time job, but I'm sure they called him a dunderheaded milksop, threatened him with fisticuffs, and didn't invite him to that evening soiree. So yeah, 1873 was the first year in our long and treasured tradition of paying members of parliament full wage to do fuck all. Apparently, when you put a bunch of fucking children in charge, they vote to not do their chores. Fast forward a bit, and Trudeau's liberals have, like children, tested us to see how far they can push things until they get a spanking. Between summer break, breaking before the election, breaking during the election, breaking after the election, and Christmas break, our members of parliament have worked a total of 19 days in the past six months. I don't want to sound like an asshole. Who am I kidding? I call it how it is. If you can work for 19 days in half a year, your job is unnecessary. If you worked like this in the private sector, you would become what is known as a cost savings initiative. And then you might or might not get EI depending on whether you have myocarditis. And maybe you're asking yourself where our opposition has been during this unprecedented time off. They've been at home because that's what we're paying them to do, and why in the lazy and entitled fuck would they oppose something like this? At this point, they couldn't give fewer shits if they ate a block of cheese dipped in a modium. Listen, assholes, get the fuck back to work. Come on already. Let's go. Brandon, Manitoba is reeling after the news that the youth provincial's bond spiel has been delayed due to COVID. Locals are concerned about whether or not they'll be able to reschedule as there is only about eight months of winter left in Brandon. Breaking news. Patty Hajdu, recently named Indigenous Services Minister, stated that her department will not release a timeline for ending boil water advisories on reserves. She says she wants to consult with communities. I mean, at this point, we're not sure if they even want clean drinking water. We now go live to our sports desk to talk about the Calgary Flames' new arena deal, or lack thereof. Hey sports fans, Two's here with all your latest sports ball coverage. The Calgary Flames, owned by billionaire Murray Edwards, is pulling out of the $650 million deal they reached with the city to share costs for a new arena. Why, you might ask? Well, the deal changed after it was agreed to. Apparently, that's not a great way to run things when you're a fucking government. For further fucking evidence, refer back to five fucking minutes ago when I was fucking talking about the fucking liberals. So, after the deal got reached, New Calgary Mayor Jody Gondek, whose first act after taking office was to declare a climate emergency, said that the hockey club needed to foot the bill for right-of-way issues as well as an extra $4 million for climate mitigation. This has basically become the green no deal. It's Gondek with the wind. Listen, asshole, it's a hockey rink. They're filling the place full of fucking ice. If that won't solve global warming, what in the cross-checking fuck will? Then, David Kahn, who briefly held the most futile position in the world as provincial leader of the Liberal Party in Alberta, said online that if only the owner of the flames lived in Calgary and paid taxes, the city might be able to pay the difference in costs for the new arena. Bitch. That man created some of the largest businesses in Calgary and he lived there for decades. He moved away in March of 2016. Do you know what happened at the end of 2015? The fucking liberals. That's what happened. Elections have consequences and you people are the reason he doesn't live here anymore. Jody Gondek, the batshit crazy idiot who's trying to squeeze a sports team for a few million dollars for solar panels or some shit, is the same one who is sending a literal $100,000 of Calgary taxpayer money to Quebec to fight their provincial hijab ban. Bitch, we already send enough money to Quebec. You do not need to make it worse. Here's the thing, though. The arena deal falling apart isn't a total loss. This fucking situation shouldn't have happened in the first place. Sports teams are the only businesses in the world who get to stroll into City Hall slap their dicks down on the table, demand that taxpayers foot the bill for their physical address, and manage to walk out with a fucking check in hand. Could you imagine if anyone else in any other business tried that? Picture the owner of some small independent coffee shop or flower shop telling a fucking city council that if they don't buy a storefront for them, they'll just go to another city. It would fly about as well as a wind-powered plane. And look, I get it. People like to argue that it's the only way to secure a team in a given location. They say that if our city doesn't play ball, or hockey, or football, or whatever the fuck, that the team will go somewhere else and the city will suffer as a result. Kinda. On the one hand, you don't want to lose the revenue streams associated with having the team. You don't want to lose the ancillary benefits of having a giant stadium, things like top-tier concerts, and also Taylor Swift. But we keep forgetting that this should be up to the people to decide. It shouldn't be done because a city councilor doesn't want to lose re-election because they'll be known as the guy who lost the NHL team. What the owners of these franchises don't ever seem to grasp is that they burn so much goddamn goodwill in the process of getting those few dollars out of the city. If they left it up to the people, they could have the best of both worlds. You could say you're having a fundraiser. You need to raise money for a new arena. And of course, everyone's first reaction will be to tell a bunch of billionaires to get fucked. Proper fucked. And then you say, yeah, we're not poor. We understand your hesitancy and we could go to the city council and we could put the screws to them. And you know what? It would work. They'd bend over faster than Trudeau when he answers a number with a Chinese area code. But we don't wanna do that. We appreciate the fans and we appreciate the city. We want to stay here, but we also need this to work. So if you like our team, if you support our colors, buy some swag, every dollar from every jersey, hat, t-shirt, foam fucking finger we sell for the next six months goes towards the fund for building a new arena show your pride and help us make this city even better i mean jesus christ doesn't that sound better than thinly veiled threats of moving to atlanta wouldn't that buy you a ton of goodwill don't you think that would cement your current fans and bring in new ones This thing is a fucking slam dunk on an open net with the bases loaded. And unlike the Edmonton Oilers locker room, everybody wins. So if you're one of my fellow billionaires who listen to this podcast, take this to heart. You can think outside the box on this and you can get ahead without alienating the people who put food on your Egyptian mahogany table. Okay, so remember those vaccinated tattoos people were getting for a while? They put their vaccination date on it. They added the brand of the vaccine they got, including the logo. The same people who had been saying for years that big corporations and big pharma are like evil, man, are now giving them free advertising for life. And they don't see anything weird about it. You'll regret nothing and you'll be happy. At what point do you run out of room on your tiny little arm for all those booster dates? How do you keep track of how many injections you've had? How fucking big does this tattoo need to get? Do you have to have hash marks every time your benevolent overlords add another shot requirement? At what point do you start looking like Dennis Rodman? Is this whole fucking thing a conspiracy created by Big Tattoo Inc.? Does it become a whole fucking sleeve when you're required to have your fourth shot, your 15th? Do you have to keep writing over top of the brand name as you get whichever shot is available like a biker's heart tattoo with updated names? I guess what I'm really asking here is at what point are you willing to admit that this was a pretty stupid fucking idea? Thanks always for listening. If you like this, subscribe. If you don't like it, fuck you. Thanks to B. Howie for doing the voiceover work for Jackass of the Week.